What's up, everyone? It's Avital. for Judy, tuning you to the Thinking Girls channel of questioning. So I'm back, but I'm not back. It's a kind of comeback, but also I've um, pulled away from the European shoreline and I'm in New York with the ground crew that is meant to check in on you, established an outpost or a kind of outpost structuralist uh, transmitting center from which I'd like to try to come to terms with the interminable that has us in its grips. And this involves establishing a checkpoint with which to travel with you in our stationary mobility because we're kind of still stuck, but I've changed the title of uh, the podcast because before we were uh, stationed in Paris, now we're in New York and we're going to think about what it means to locate, dislocate, find ourselves adrift and be tethered to a space that is very demanding and at the same time inarticulate, contradictory, terrorizing and structuring the way that trauma tends to structure one's um, being. This is something that we will continue to investigate and consider. So the title of this particular transmission system is Ground Report, New York to Monaco. And I'll be reporting for duty regularly because I think we need to reconnect and also offer an off-ramp to the kinds of discursive formations to which we're being treated and tweeted and considered in certain ways. In other words, we're very strictly held to uh, all sorts of investigations that are, are certainly worthy and necessary, but they tend to sideline philosophical, poetic, and literary, um, let's say, um, ways of, of intruding upon our um, current and also continuing to speak to our current situation. So I would like to remind you that this is part of the ground crew of Philo Monaco, a premier transmitting station within the fashionable, unfashionable districts of philosophical inquiry, where this inquiry bleeds into political urgency and poetic acts bouncing off our walls. So, one of the questions that was once asked by Derrida is who's afraid of philosophy? That belongs to a book and a movement that he launched because on the one hand, we're all philosophically primed. 
and confined and designed in so many ways. Even our most private, idiomatic, unshareable experiences are philosophically tagged, if not determined, and dragged onto new spaces of being. So who's afraid of philosophy, I think addressed another kind of um, level of fear, terror, and possible impossible catharsis to the extent that fear also primes catharsis, which the Greeks taught us to attune to, though the great philosopher Lacoulabart, Philippe Lacoulabart, asked us if we've ever really understood what the Greeks meant by fear, terror, and the promise, if it's a promise, of catharsis or purging. So can thought attend to the phantasm or acts of purging, of clearing and cleansing us in, in a time of contamination and all sorts of other types of material cleansing rituals and barriers and, and uh, distancing that are required of our social bodies that are reshaped in certain ways, but still kind of dependent on philosophical, um, a philosophical understanding or hermeneutics of what our bodies are meant to do, how we're built to deal or how we're um, fallible, vulnerable, somatically um, kind of pliable and yet um, unpredictable in some ways. What about adaptability and um, all sorts of possibilities to reconfigure and recalibrate our relation to our worlds that are consistently shattering and seemingly conducted by viral overload and the overload of an objectivist way of dealing with our lives and existence, a scientific premium that has been placed on our relatedness to others and to life, to the very possibility of survival and existence. All of this is extremely necessary. And if we hadn't been um, uh, kind of stopped at the pernicious checkpoint of anti-science, certainly in the United States, then we could have um, continued the trajectory and tradition of Husserl who started thinking science and offering a critique of our relation to scientificity, which was, by the way, missing from Merleau-Ponty and Sartre and the celebrities of the day. So we have a complicated relation to the salvational promise that science offers, that vaccines prep, and that our bodies uh, need to adapt to should they be able to and meant to survive what's coming at us. A lot of this in terms of a kind of Grundsatz or, or fundamental thinking is not new. We've always been vulnerable. Bad news is that we've always been uh, pit against 
and at our finitude. We're mortal beings, we're terrestrial wanderers, we're stopped, we're stuck, we're confined, we're um, terrified. All of that um, is, is nothing new, but the way we talk about it, relate to it, and are forced to be conscious of our um, extreme destitution and limitations, including those that came up, especially in, in the United States, in terms of racial injustice and social outrage and atrocity, things that had been kept kind of covert, though everyone knew it, every black person knows what the relation to um, the pressures of, of pernicious policing are. But nonetheless, something has shifted a little that makes us have to relate to texts that have been warning us and thinking about this and very prescient. It's not as though texts that dealt with 19th century policing or 20th century um, intrusion by the state um, are in any way obsolesce. They're finally coming to their rendezvous with, with a meaningful kind of set of assertions and positing and offering us a kind of solace if we're willing to commit ourselves to thinking along with them. And I'm thinking in particular right now of Benjamin's understanding of the phantom body of the police, where the police swarms you even in ways that are deferred, delayed, um, shifted to technologies. You're always under surveillance. Now we add the medical zones of surveillance, tracking, and um, bodily um, intrusions and traumas and, and also what happens in these kinds of moments is something like maybe a necessary overvaluation of the very fields of, of scientific um, inquiry and being that get um, to hope for a certain kind of salvation or messianism coming from, in this case, medicine and the promise of that uh, little phallic vaccine that is also a gift, a gift gift in German and English. It's poisonous, it's, it's absolutely redemptive, it's important. We don't know much, but we know enough. So maybe to speak with Winnicott, we can call it the good enough vaccine that is being proffered. But according to a bizarre so far, psychoanalytic structure or even Heideggerian recession, which is to say they seem to be there, but they're not available. So um, of course you can have a more empirical material analysis that I consider very important, but not philosophically necessarily um, compelling of why the distribution has faltered so far and, and refused itself. So um, I've been drifting and I want you to know that I start by drifting and that drifting is in itself a kind of um, 
indication of something like an, a post-structuralist um, primary movement or energy? What does it mean to drift? Because a lot of us are drifting right now and we were catching the drift of, of the immense pressure being put on us to, to step up to, or to step back, to recalibrate our relation to climate with more urgency than ever before, our relation to the world, to animals. Um, the animals uh, have walked a little more freely when the pandemic started its first wave of, of um, destructive imposition. Um, so we want to think about our relation to those beings that have been under a very limited and, uh, and, and embarrassingly stupid regime of dominion by man. And also the embarrassingly stupid continuation of the Anthropos in a certain way that ignores understandably but not justifiably the way that man must be and has been overcome after Nietzsche's overman, Nietzsche's so overman, or Heidegger's Dasein, and so on and so forth. Now I'm drifting, I'm going fast and drifting along, and drifting knowing if, I, if that's what I'm doing, I, I feel that you're catching my drift, but I'm also um, moving to the sway of the drift rather than establishing dogmatic or quasi-dogmatic maxims or principles or precepts. I'm also going with what um, is, doesn't offer solidity or substance or some sort of, um, let's say truth serum, since we're still working with vaccines. So I, I am now in New York, where I've drifted to, where we lay fallow, and we are today, um, the 1st of February, I wish you all a strong and healthy February, um, in a kind of triple axis of confinement, because there are snow drifts. The, the snow is an incredible energy and, and blanket and restart in, in so many ways. So one, one can't move, one, one has received alerts in New York that one cannot go out. But that seems to double for um, other types of alerts and injunctions. So we're drifting, which has its own illicit legitimacy. It, it has lots of implications that you've probably already grasped. You can't dr grasp uh, drift. It, it defies conceptual arrest. It doesn't um, proceed methodically. It doesn't score points in a way that one might be accustomed to within certain institutional um, levels of, of um, learning and thinking. So we're going to drift with the snow, with the, um, with the way that I've drifted myself from, from Monaco and Paris to New York. 
And what does it mean to find oneself reporting for duty in New York, beaming from and to Monaco and it, within the hybrid space of a philosophical um, desire named and, and institutionalized in Monaco. I would like to consider that with you. Also the toponymies that create in philosophy and literature and poetry, uh, a kind of new shoreline that we call America by which I mean the United States, but also Latin and North America. Um, but right now I'm, I'm focused on that bully, the United States, um, which was not made greater yet again. But we're, we're trying hard. I want to say that one reason for um, reviving a conversation with some of you who've asked what happened to the, the um, intention that we were forming to continue to converse throughout um, what is called the pandemic or the syndemic, that which is creating um, a shutdown that is still um, caught in its own drift of unreadability. What I want to um, check with and check in with with you is also what happened to meaning in this particular round to sense and direction and the way we're floundering or moving along what Heidegger called Holzwege, so paths that lead nowhere. Right now, particularly, is another round of, of um, let's say, crisis in meaning in the most basic ways, young people are asking what is meaningful anymore? What can we do to have things be meaningful? And that's why it's important also to go with Bataille who on a totally different register says, stop making sense. In other words, don't totalize this. Don't um, make this transparent. Don't think you've understood it fully, because once you feel that, there's not only the possibility of a, a kind of false triumphalism, like, yes, we mastered this, we understand it, we're going to get out of it, which can uh, trip you up eventually. But there's also um, the sense that um, you need to understand or the pressure of, of, of squeezing out meaning from something that is for sure um, invasive, traumatic, terrorizing, but that may be proceeding without donating new forms of meaning, but by requiring us to understand where we've been and where we've going where we've been um, programmed to be going. All these things are, are what I'd like to um, go through with you, understanding that um, this also follows the, the essential sway of philosophy, which um, keeps shifting 
like the Californian shore. It, there's, there's things that dissolve, that can't be found anymore, that go underground, have a subterranean logic, or we could say with psychoanalysis that suddenly return as in the um, GPS that, that pushes forth the uh, return of the repressed. A lot of things have been repressed, as you know, and disavowed, and all sorts of uh, levels of punching out alterities, delivering injustice, or blinding ourselves to um, false notions of progress and enlightenment, even um, claiming things about emancipation, which sounds great. It's a beautiful word, as Derrida has said, but it can lead to blind spots and blind alleys and all sorts of disappointments. So this was a little bit part of the hurricane um, blizzard that we are experiencing in New York today as we lay fallow and uh, wait. The snow drifts make you sit in wait and waiting in so many ways is the essence of our being as Heidegger pointed out in, in a different language. Uh, but I'd like us to think about what it means to wait it out to hang back, to let things move according to a different syntax that um, invites the intensities of pooled thought, worries, and reflections. So ever dislocating, philosophy is moving from and to different shores. Um, we're thinking of our friends who are suffering in India and in other continents. We're going to think about Africa and African-Americans and their plight in this continent of the United States, discontinent, I should say, discontents, um, and open up all sorts of dossiers that will accompany us as we drift along or are smacked along or kick to certain curbs and in many ways also prevented from moving forward. So that's okay. We're gonna sit with this and it's not okay for many people. Don't, don't think this is a have a nice text moment. It's okay to sit back and, and bring up the energy that is required of us at this time to address the most egregious lacerations and disturbances that have come blaringly to our attention. So this was just a startup engine, a little experimental um, moment for us to reacquaint ourselves as we continue to um, trek together in our appointed deserts and snow drifts. And I rem am reminded of the end of one of Kafka's novels where one is dragged along in the trial like a dog in the snow. So 
let's bank on the snow and find the snow banks that can um, make us leave traces of our dragging along so that we can um, maybe get up again. I'm thinking now to, to say the final word of today's recording of Nietzsche and Russian fatalism. When it gets really bad, he suggested in a prescriptive, healing, friendly way that you can practice Russian fatalism, which means you drop in the snow and you wait till things can get better and you can defrost yourself. In the meantime, you're frozen in a hibernating kind of cocooning promise. So that was my po philosophy poem for the day. I'm reporting from Ground Report, New York to Monaco. See you.